0: days we're live everybody welcome in it is friday 101 p.m central 201 p.m eastern 1101 a.m pacific it is friday june 30th it is the last day of the month it is the last day of the quarter and we're four days away from the fourth of july holiday in the united states happy independence day not yet we'll win until the fourth why did i say that all right we have uh folks on our panel today we have hans not legal advice oh he only has one name today that's fascinating and we have alex joining us uh on his first live stream he's been in our part of our private discussions before so thank you very much alex for joining us on this live one really good to have you here lots of stuff to talk about today but we'll always start with the very helpful update from not legal advice on the current mmtlp uh case slash thing that's going on so richard give us an update and then we'll get our party started.
1: Great, and quickly, uh, will uh, glass coffins be a success? Remains to be seen.
0: Ha, three, three out of (laughs) ten. Three. all right. (laughs) Um,
1: So MMTLP, naked shorting, uh, the big change this week was there is legal action going on with MMAT, which was the stock from which it came. And MMAT has a connection to Tesla, because one of the things that MMAT is, it's, it's a metamaterial company. And one of the things they produce is a special combination of metal and plastic to um, reduce battery fires in uh, EVs. Uh, so apparently the existing fire prevention is something like copper and aluminum. They put these kinds of plastics mixed into the metals. And when the battery starts to heat up too much, The plastics melt and it suppresses the fire from occurring, shuts the system down. Um, So they actually may be a Tesla uh, supplier, and they are being naked shorted also. And, And beyond that, I always talk about really the damage to the community. There's a company called Sorrento Therapeutics. A judge has made a finding, naked shortings. That means like somebody's buying stock that doesn't exist and is diluting everybody else and hurting the valuation of the company. I look through the history of the company. Serena Thera- Therapeutics is a pharmaceutical company. They made a cancer drug for breast cancer. It happened twice. Some company, a pharma, and th- we were talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Big Pharma. Some pharmaceutical company bought their drug and basically killed the drug. They just set it aside because they had an existing drug that was in the same category and they didn't want the competition. And then right. after they did that, the company was naked shorted and to, to put it almost out of business. That's kind of the real-world example. A, a drug that would help people that is being targeted just because somebody wants to make a buck on it. And it's uh that's just an example. I happened to see it recently. It was a finding by a judge. So again. Not Legal Advice, K-N-O-T, Legal Advice. Check it out. Become familiar with Naked Shorting, and um, thanks.
0: Awesome. Great plug, Richard. Well done. It's like you're a professional YouTuber now. Good job. All right, everybody. So a few topics to talk about. We'll start with uh, our end-of-quarter uh, little topic here so if you're not familiar Tesla the electric vehicle maker is uh, gonna report deliveries and production numbers here in the next couple of days today is the last day of the quarter uh, basically uh, every automaker I believe is on at least in the in the state side there's other ones um, they are on this sort of calendar year where at the end of the quarter they'll report earnings so we have production and delivery coming up and earnings a few weeks after today so uh maybe around the panel, we'll start with Hans and sort of go around. Uh, maybe you know what, I'll have Alex go first, because he's, he's the he's the newbie of the group on the live stuff. So uh, are you following the production and delivery numbers closely for Tesla? Where's your head at? I'd love to hear your take.
2: Their Their Q2 results were are gonna be they continue to deliver good products to customers that the customers love. They have healthy profits and sustained growth. It's That's going to be the story for the next eight quarters. Um, I don't, I haven't been following much of the production and delivery numbers, but they are ramping up the two factories Um, and Lathrop will be ramping too. Uh, So we'll have some mega packs and energy will be put up the highest numbers they'll ever see. So.
0: Okay. All right. That's, Great, thank you everybody. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> That's fantastic. Very good summary. Hans uh, what are what are you looking at as far as uh, Q2 goes? Where, where's your head at?
3: Yeah, I don't really follow delivery numbers too closely. Um, yeah, haven't never been uh, that closely interested in it as long as it's trending in the right direction. I know that like analyst consensus has been getting a lot closer over the last few years. Um, especially the last few quarters that they seem to be uh, getting pretty pretty accurate with their predictions. And so that also narrows down the amount of edge that, you know, someone who's following, um, who's the, there's the YouTuber that I'm trying, or not a YouTuber, the Twitter guy that I'm trying Troy. to remember his name, Troy. Yeah. Um, so there's less, there's less advantage that investors can get around understanding what the delivery numbers are going to be. Um, following somebody like Troy, who is has been historically very close on this, or um, you know Matt Smith has usually been pretty good about this as well, and a number of other sources. So, you know, as that edge has kind of gone away over the past few quarters, it hasn't been something that I've been super close. To. Like I'm, I'm happy to wait until after they report and see how close they were to production. But you know, the overall trend is very clear. It's an exponential they're growing. Um, And, you know, really, I like to look at leading indicators some more. How many factories are they putting in? How much capacity do those factories have? So to me, like the bigger news is, yeah, we had a little bit of a delay in Giga Mexico. And now it's not going to be a huge delay. It's not going to be super material long term. But those are the types of news stories that I pay attention more closely to than, you know, exactly how many deliveries did we get this year? Like that's just a lagging indicator on, you know, how's the ramp going? Um, I want to, want to kind of keep track of it, but it's not the most important thing to me.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Richard, where's your head at? Oh man. Now I get to speculate and kind of like throw yes. these guys under the bus a little bit. Do it. Um, yeah. So I think the deliveries are important for short-term investors, uh, because the, the stock price is impacted by the delivery numbers. I think it's unfair because the delivery numbers are kind of recalibrated up until the time they're released. So kind of along what Hans said in some respects, the, the consensus number for the street, for the analysts, becomes much closer to the real number as time goes on. I don't know if they do that for any other company, by the way, that they continually are, are altering the production numbers of the company. And Apple, I don't think like every two weeks, they're going to say 1.93 billion phones. They don't do that. For whatever reason, I think it's, you know, part of it is a dislike for Elon. So he's treated unfairly because I think it's a double standard. Um, Consensus, consensus, at least as I saw this morning, was 446, uh, 446, 446,000 deliveries. Um, Gary Black, I think, was estimating 460. I think Troy is now slightly over 446. Um, I'm at 457, 539. That's the uh, Hoffman uh, standard. Okay. Um, and again, I think it's only important for short-term stock prices because if Tesla doesn't beat that 446 number, which probably might climb, you know, before it. Sunday is the is the announcement date? Could be Saturday, somebody comes up and says 448, and they'll bump the number up again. If they don't beat that number, the stock price will go down. And it has nothing to do with anything, doesn't make sense. But in the short term, that's what will happen. Um, in China, by the way, they report every month. So you get an ongoing uh, report. And I guess it sounds like, one, it's going to be record production and deliveries in China this uh, quarter. And f- and I could see it also in the other Chinese com- uh, EVs that produce numbers that this month will be a good a good month for them also.
0: Okay, very good. Yeah, for me, I mean, I I, I agree with the overall sentiment of, you know, the, the quarterly reports are going to be they, it's it's short term it, as long as Tesla's on the on the exponential curve and they are riding that up as they ramp production is a is a positive for the stock. I think what's very interesting to me though for this quarter specifically is that the the delivery number will dictate how the the margin story is going to play out for the re, for the next few years. And I do think from that perspective there is a little bit of long-term implications to this quarter because in in Q1 we uh we had a situation where the delivery number and the, the price decreases that they had, they didn't deliver enough product and produce enough product, let's say, to uh, to uh, offset the impact of the reduced pricing by reducing the cost from a scale perspective, let's call it. One of the levers they had potentially was to get a little bit more scale going so they can reduce their overall cost per unit. So And in Q2, if uh, some of the projections are correct, so I, I posted uh, Gary Black's uh, tw- uh, tweet uh producer wife when you get a chance. I have producer wife back today, by the way. Thank goodness. Thank you, producer wife, for the incredible uh help you've you've done for the last couple of weeks with the family being here and everything. So this is a tweet from Gary Black. Two Q deliveries estimates is four hundred fifty plus faxed at four forty five with 2Q China deliveries expected at 150k which is a 9% growth quarter over quarter in what is the world's most competitive EV market a second quarter plus 9% quarter over quarter global number of 460,000 isn't out of the question so uh like richard said gary's uh, is insinuating here that there could be a situation where 460 is in play. What's interesting about the 460 number is that if you look at the f- uh, first quarter number of what was a 423, I believe it was. It, that's a pretty significant uh, increase quarter over quarter, uh, and and that should help margins quite a bit. The other variable as well is with full self driving becoming a, a bigger part of the story, and I believe that the, the Biggest addition they did to the fleet was between Q1 and Q2, if I remember. Maybe maybe that's incorrect. Maybe that's incorrect. But um, there, there's been a lot more hype around the software. So I'm wondering if maybe there was an uptick in, in uh, people taking on FSD. Then you had the news around the NACS standard being adopted uh, in the second quarter. So I wonder if that's driving additional demand. Uh, there's a lot of sort of variables that played out in Q2 that could help that margin number Uh, in in surprise to the upside. And I think the delivery number could be the insight into that. So let's say that delivery is coming at 460. I think that is a signal that says maybe margins are back up in the 20s, excluding Zev credits and leases. Uh, Does anyone have any thoughts around that? Anything y'all wanted to add on top of that?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure if margins are going to be any better the last quarter. I just think the the kind of the vibe I got would be this would be the bottom for margins if the margins didn't improve from last quarter. And I I was going to say in two cost areas, I think two areas that I think might be uh, impactful. One is, you know, the more units they produce out of Berlin and uh, Austin, the lower the cost per car. And that's just happening, right? Because we know the the rates of uh, production have increased um, quarter by quarter. But I think the other one was, and I don't remember if it was first quarter or the fourth quarter, the lithium cost decreased substantially. But we didn't see the impact, I think, in the first quarter. They even said, you know, it's there, but we haven't got it's not showing up yet. It could be something like lithium, which dropped dramatically, will be reflected in a much lower cost uh, you know, for obviously batteries and, and, and related. And we might see start seeing the impacts of that.
3: I wouldn't expect much impact from that just because those contracts are typically so long dated that it will have an impact, but I wouldn't expect it to flow through immediately. Um, and also, yeah, like Tesla's pricing is not subject nearly to the types of swings that we see in the spot market. So it yeah, I just wouldn't expect that to be huge on this one. But I did want to go back to, you know, the fact that China is having such a breakout quarter again this year is a great sign. And I think that one of the things that I like about watching China is I think that China is hopefully a good indicator of how Giga Mexico will go. I think that a lot of the technology that they have figured out there in Giga Shanghai is the prototype for what's going to go into uh, to Giga Mexico. We'll also see that with the Cybertruck ramp. Um, you know, I think there's some unbox, process, manufacturing methods going into the Cybertruck, uh, less so the Model Y there. I think the really, I think the Model Y line in um, Shanghai is probably you know on par with the Model Y lines in Berlin and Austin, and obviously they are much higher, you know, at a much higher ramp just because they've been there a lot longer. Their supply base is built out there. They've got their battery sourcing really, really refined there in China. So, you know, that's what I'm hoping to see um, from, from Giga Mexico as well. And uh, I think that, you know, people need to pay attention to how Giga Shanghai continues to ramp, you know, over the next year, two years, because, you know, when it was initially put in what was the the rated capacity i think it was like 500,000 units or something that's correct and so now they're up in the 1.2 um and so you know if we see other factories that are continuing to surpass their initial nameplate production numbers at those types of levels it significantly reduces the number of factories that tesla needs to have installed in order to reach their 20 million by 2030 goals uh which you know I, I'm not entirely sold that they'll make it to 20 million in 2030, but I think they'll they'll get a long way towards that.
0: Alex, I saw you came off mute a little earlier. Did you have something to add?
2: One of the numbers that always gets dragged uh, on Tesla is their uh, the difference between production and deliveries. So if we see um, if we see the number go up 10% um, from Q1, will we see that? that gap also rise by the same uh, amount and how much will people start reading into that but a lot of um a lot of the european cars are you'd expect to be come out of uh, um a berlin rather than rather than china and we see the numbers going up in china so that should mean that there's less vehicles in transit so we might see a narrowing of that uh um that difference between production and deliveries it it could narrow or only grow at like that nine percent um like proportionally to the to the um and you have uh less of the made in china uh model threes with the lfp pack uh, and more of the Austin-made, model-wise, getting in the system. So as the supply chains get more localized, it'll be interesting to see on that production and deliveries, like the in-transit and the inventory levels, uh, how they look in Q2. Go
3: ahead, Hans. I'm kind of uh, usually uh, counter... I have a counter position on this, just... It would surprise me if, you know, people keep expecting that delta to shrink because they, oh, you know, they're finally getting ahead of the curve. They've got enough inventory. It should actually, you know, production and delivery should get close because they've been so far apart in the past quarters. I think they're actually going to continue to grow further and further apart. I think it's just a symptom of the number of channels. That they're adding, you know, as they're starting more deliveries and more locations, every time you add a new market that you're selling into, that's a new location that you have to fill up an entire pipeline of supply in transit to that place. And that pipeline of supply, you know, it's not continuous that they do ship in bursts. And so it's hard to say exactly how that's going to fall at the end of the quarter. But on average, across the whole company, um, you know, Basically, it has to be somewhere close to a fixed percentage of overall production, which would mean growing units quarter over quarter that are in transit. Um, and so, yeah, I don't expect that to come back, but and and that's been the trend that we've seen for the past few quarters. So, I think it's maybe wise to to have lower expectations on that front. Richard.
1: Yeah, so uh Hans alluded to Mexico, and uh I'd heard the same thing that the, the kind of the real numbers of product and we you know who knows what it's gonna turn out to be, but real production numbers out of Mexico won't be till probably the first or second quarter of 2025, which is slightly behind what we were expecting when the initial announcement was made. I don't think it's meaningful long term, but it's it is what it is. The other thing I was gonna say is Hans was referring to the the factory capacities, and I agree. And I remember when I looked like, at the Austin uh, layout, it was it was set for 4 million capacity, but I think it could go beyond 4 million also. And I remember when they talked about Mexico, just based on the size of the property, that if you built it out, especially if you're doing like subcont- compacts, you're doing smaller vehicles, you do bigger numbers, that you're talking about multi-million. So ultimately the number of actual factories you need is probably less than we originally thought, if you can, you know, and it makes sense. Why not maximize the efficiency of a factory? You know, that makes perfect sense. It's in, in line with kind of the, the mission statement. The other thing is, you know, what came up obviously in the last week or two was India and the discussions with India. And, you know, and, and I, I'm a little confused, but, you know, maybe I'm uh, reading into too much. When they announced the Mexico factory and they indicated there was going to be a second factory announcement sometime later in 2023, then when Elon was talking, and, you know, Elon's met with everybody and everybody's interested in having a factory. When he met with, uh, after he met with Moody in in India, you know, about India, he said he wasn't going to go there until after the, into 2024, So I can't imagine he would announce, make a factory announcement before he actually set foot in the place and had a chance to really delve into the politics. So if, in fact, there is going to be a second announcement, I don't think it's India. I think it's, again, my, and, and, you know, they bitched about Valencia, Spain, because there was a leak, but I don't know if that's meaningful either. I don't know if that's a cover, you know, they're pretending like they're not interested, but they still are. But they certainly came out and, and and bitched about the leak, but I still believe it's gonna be South Korea. That's my my pick, and I think that'll be before the end of the year. And then India will be sometime 24, 25, because that requires a as Hans was saying, you got to set up a supply chain. That's and that's a big country. And you know, to service that whole country, that's a big job. So again, I'm I think South Korea, my my
0: that's that's a very interesting take. So I think I think after you said that it kind of makes sense because uh Modi Modi came out to the states uh for a visit and then Elon met with Modi on state uh, in the United States. And then when he was pressed on it, he's like, you know, we'll you know, mark my words, we'll go there at some point. But the point you made about them him having like making an announcement before he actually goes and visits the country and s- sees it for himself and does what he needs to do. I think rings uh, very true in this scenario. And so if if we think about the countries he has visited, so France, Italy, uh, what's the third one? There was a the third one that he visited too, didn't he? Or, or am I am I thinking about this incorrectly? Who was the third
1: one? Did he visit Spain? I don't know if he visited I Spain. So. Right. I don't think so. I he think he to, visited I mean, Italy,
3: didn't he? But um, But that was not necessarily about a factory.
0: Okay. I know he met with the with the prime minister. Uh, I forget the lady's name, but uh, I think so those two you're saying you're saying South Korea. But has he visited South Korea?
1: I think he's previously visited South Korea and he's met. I mean, he recently met with the South Korean leader in the United States. That's true. Um, But I don't know. I don't know the precise details.
3: I mean, the thing about South Korea that's a huge plus for moving there sooner is they have a battery supply chain that's already built up. And I think that's probably the most difficult part of the supply chain to get built up. And so this is one of the reasons why we saw Shanghai become the first gigafactory outside the United States is because China has the biggest battery supply chain outside, I mean, really in the world at this point. Um, And so it was the first place that Tesla needed to go and yeah so i think that that's another reason that it makes sense for tesla to go to south korea second uh as far as the asian market just because they have the batteries yeah when do you when do you guys expect
0: this uh second announcement to come do you think this is a third quarter or fourth quarter are we closer or farther away than we think for this year or does it really matter it's just end of year who cares it comes when it comes
1: yeah i think it's end of year or into 2025 you know kind of spilling over
0: 2024 you mean mm, yeah yeah, okay.
1: Rich yeah, I, I would be
3: surprised to, like, Q1, 24, somewhere in there. Alex?
2: I don't know on the vehicle factories. It, like, vehicle factories, I don't know if they'll need one soon, and I don't know if they want to start building one until they've figured out uh, and had some time in Mexico. Uh, to try a bunch of the new processes like at the, the 4680 line and the and the mega pack are mature enough um, they've been they've been running the 4680 lines and uh, and they've been running uh, lathrop and the mega packs for a while like I can see maybe one of those by the end of the year but vehicle assembly at there's so much changing uh once they get the the cyber truck line running and the giga mexico running they're gonna learn so much from those that they'll want to put into the new the new designs so i i could i i could see the energy side uh whether batteries or packs um locally where the where those battery materials are but as far as vehicles and then and then Timeline on Optimus was to start looking at some production, uh, but of prototypes and, and something this year, but, uh, I don't, I don't see vehicles for another, like maybe a year out.
0: If I could, uh, offer just a little bit of pushback, then we'll go, we'll go Richard and then Hans. So. The the my only pushback there would be is that with Berlin and Austin, one of the nice things about having two factories going live in parallel is that you could compete, you can put them up against each other uh, and use it as a forcing function for one factory to try and do better than the other one. And so if if this is really a case where Mexico is going to be like the trial run to make sure this is right, I don't know if that necessarily is lines up with how Tesla has done it in the past. I think if they can they can create a scenario where they can put the two factories against each other and see who wins. I feel like that could create a better uh, scenario for them to really optimize those lines because I think having, it's a brand new process. So if you have two factories doing it, I think you'll, you'll have a better chance of finding the gaps quicker than if you do it once, then you do it again, then you do it again. I feel like having as many of them as in parallel as possible is good. It might delay It might delay how quickly you get running, but I feel like you get to the end result quicker that way. But uh, I could be wrong. Uh, uh, Richard, Hans, and then Alex, if you want to.
1: Yeah, I was going to say is that perhaps also I was thinking that uh, the next factory is trailing Mexico anyway. Because Mexico, theoretically, even though there's nothing in the ground, they should be farther along in the process because they're in permitting, whatever. Um, So I was thinking there might be a year gap anyway. Uh, and that year gap would be a sufficient time that Tesla could monitor what happens in Mexico or wherever, and could decide what changes it would like to make in processes. Maybe after Mexico runs six months, they can like examine it, make their own changes, and maybe that delays the opening of South Korea of the South Korea factory to make those changes. But I would I wouldn't be surprised if they had a, a, a look a look see just because I don't think they can do it time wise anyway. And then
3: Alex? Yeah, I think back to the 4680 ramp aspirations that Elon had. And the hope was that we would have Model Y rolling out with 4680 structural packs, like as the Model Y was ramping up. And, you know, we really just did not see that. And so I wonder if the unbox process will present similar challenges. Yes, it's like it's a lot of new manufacturing technology. Um, There are a lot of kinks to be worked out. And remember, you know, production is hard. So when you're trying to run all these processes in parallel and they have to operate at extremely high cycle rates and they all have to be coordinated together perfectly in order for the whole factory not to get held up by a few single points of failure that are going wrong you know downstream somewhere that's tough um and so i could definitely see the case that you know richard is making on wanting to delay behind mexico the question will be how much they learn uh from cybertruck at austin first going into that and we it does seem like they're in good shape there and but I, i With that said, you know, I don't think that Elon is the type to be conservative enough to say, yeah, let's wait and see how it goes in Mexico. And then we'll make decisions for what's after that. I think he's gonna be like, no, dude, like, let's go balls to the wall. We need to grow. And we're going to go ahead and you know, whatever happens is whatever happens. And we're going to deal with it. Because it's critical to the mission that we be able to produce as many cars as possible as soon as possible. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I do think we will see that other factory announcement in the not too distant future. I do think that it will probably come up shortly behind Giga Mexico, and um, that yeah, we'll probably see some competition and potentially, you know, another one about six months after that. So,
0: yeah, Alex,
2: yeah, it makes sense that they wouldn't, that they would try and and have the two competing parallel um uh, parallel development because we've seen that a lot i just yeah I, it i feel it'd be china or europe because that's where the um the markets for the that smaller vehicle would um uh, would materialize
0: yeah
1: you know they they also talked about the mini giga. You know I don't remember when it was. One of these one of these uh, earnings calls. They talked about that the size of the factories don't all have to be like gigantic. They could decide. You know like wow we could sell three hundred thousand Cybertrucks a year in Europe. So let's build a mini giga just doing Cybertruck in Spain. We'll do it in Valencia. So we'll build a Cybertruck mini giga. You know we kind of look at them. They all have to be gigantic, but they don't. And, you know, that's kind of like, as you guys were saying, the one thing that Elon does is he makes decisions to do things at the moment, not kind of like waiting and uh, be, you know, waiting six months passes and nothing's happened. So if he sees like a Cybertruck is a huge hit and he gets the vibe in Europe and they're not yet prepared for for uh, manufacturing them in Europe, he'll he'll figure out a way to manufacture them in Europe.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And and speaking of Cybertruck, as the thing is right behind me here, uh, the I wouldn't be surprised if Cybertruck takes center stage in the in the call uh, for Q2, uh, in my opinion, because we are we we are seeing a lot of the production ready units out in the wild. We're seeing, uh, you know, Hans drove the thing up at the at the Peterson Museum, right? I think he he brought it up, and then there was a ton of up close footage of that thing, and it boy, it looked pretty production ready. I mean, there's some 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 kinks here and there. But it's it, the interior outside of like a couple of trim pieces was ready to go. Uh, the exterior seemed ready to go outside of a couple panel, uh, panel alignment issues. All the cameras were in. Yeah, the little details were, were being worked on and sort of honed in. So I, I don't know. I feel like that's uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if about, say, 10 to 15 minutes of that call – plus is focused on the cyber truck production and how that's going because that's really the you think about the end of the year that's everything everyone's going to talk about about Tesla is the cyber truck and how it's going and what are the margins going to look like and how many units can you sell in 2024 and what's your max production rate so on and so forth uh, I, do you guys agree do you guys disagree
1: I think he's gonna announce the release the release event Ooh. so we're gonna say we're gonna be you know August 19th. We're going to do our release event in Austin for the Cybertruck. I don't know if that's That's your date, date, but sometime in that quarter.
0: You said it, it's your date. (laughs) I know, August
1: 19th. Okay, August 19th.
3: (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What else? That's it? Yeah, I think that that is the, you know, definitely we'll hear more about it on the call. Hopefully we hear quite a bit about it. And, you know, that's obviously going to be huge for the company to finally get this product rolling off the line into the hands of customers. Just like most people have said, not expecting huge volumes this year, but i um, very excited to see first deliveries. And then, you know, I've been thinking through the numbers on Cybertruck, and I know that I'm anticipating that it's going to be a, a more difficult rollout. And they've said at first that they're shooting for 250,000 units but then potentially going up to 375. My prediction is that they will sell over a half million units in 2027, and it will, in 2027, be the best-selling pickup truck in the world that it will outsell. And that's of, of a single model. You know, Ford likes to say that they sell a million Ford F-Series pickups, but that's the F-150 all the way up through 350, 350, the yeah. 350. Yeah. And so the in 2027, Cybertruck will outsell the F-150 and become the global leader in pickup truck sales. And of course, uh, Drew Dixon does not agree at all. In fact, he th- there's a bunch of companies that he thinks are going to sell more EVs than Tesla by 2020, 35. And I think the majority of those companies will be bankrupt by 2030. And so we'll have our answer on uh, his predictions long before he thinks that he needs it.
0: Shout out Drew Dixon. <laughs> the most sensible bear I've met. Uh, I disagree shout out with to him.
1: Hans. I disagree with Hans. I think uh there'll be five hundred and six thousand five hundred and thirty-nine cyber trucks sold in twenty twenty-six.
0: In your face, Hans. What now? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah, I think I think the it's just so uh, I'm just so excited that we're finally talking about the release of this thing. I, I sat down and I try to do a um uh I have a video that's banked to go out tomorrow or Sunday. I forget when uh, David has it to go set to go live. But I, I try to actually sit down and figure out what the pricing strategy is going to be for that truck and i would be very surprised just based on some of the limited research i've done Well, limited like i've done as much as i can with the limited amount of data that's out there in the market but if you look at the f-150 lightning and you look at the chevy silverado ev that the pricing just came out for that truck and where they're landing and the kind of range they're offering i think a uh Cybertruck under 80,000 with a lot of range is very much uh, in the cards because it's going to take advantage of the EV tax credit. There'll be lower versions as well, I think, over time. But uh, I know that the demand is going to force Tesla to really jack up prices on their models. But I think the end state, uh, the ramped state of the Cybertruck will be a sub $80,000 pickup truck with 500 miles of range uh, the luxury of an F one hundred and fifty XLT trim and the, you know, more range than any other pickup truck and blah, blah, blah. So we'll see how quickly we get there. You know, I think that $80,000 EV tax credit is a huge deal. Like the MSRP, the, the $7,500 tax credit. If you buy a pickup truck, that's under 80,000. So we'll see. Okay. Let's, uh, let's hit Richard's topic and then we'll go to Hans, uh, Alex, uh, I does not have one for this, for this roundtable. That's completely okay. We'll, uh, we will hit Richards, uh, he might have something spicy for us to talk about. Let's let's throw it over to Richard. Really?
1: Or, what know. am I supposed to talk about? Figure it out. Uh, <laughs> You're a YouTuber now. <laughs> I am, yes, uh, yes. Oh yeah, something really spicy. Uh, Lucid, did you see Lucid is trying to stay in business by selling drivetrains to Aston Martin. Aston oh. Martin is owned by the Public Investment Fund in Saudi Arabia, the same fund owns, I think, like two thirds of Lucid. So it sounds like they may be joining in one way. Uh, My, uh, that was spicy. That was a tuna roll.
0: That was a tuna roll. Can we get the Can we get the dragon roll, please, with the chili? Sure, clicks? sure, okay. sure.
1: No, no, no problem. Hans. <laughs> <laughs> go mm-hmm. ahead Hans we'll hit we'll hit
0: yours and then we'll see if Richard has a if he'll, he'll hit it later maybe he needs to be worked yeah. up a little bit go for it
3: yeah so I was really excited to see the Tesla AI Twitter handle put out that thread a few weeks back and I've just been thinking about this and trying to dig back through Dojo uh, Tesla videos and um, especially there was a really great Conversation that uh, Gally actually hosted on HyperChange with Naveen Rao, uh, Dylan Patel, and then for those who were OG ARC followers, James Wang uh, participated in that conversation as well. And it was a really good place to just get expectations set properly on, on Dojo and their competition with NVIDIA. And It's fascinating to see what Tesla's plans are. That, you know, as FSD continues to grow, we have a larger fleet now that's collecting more data, more miles. They're trying to do more and more training. Obviously, Optimus is also something that they're going to be doing a lot of training for. And potentially, you know, it's hard to say what the compute needs will be for Optimus training versus Tesla bot training, um, or sorry, versus FSD training. But, you know, a hundred exaflops is huge amount of compute. And if you kind of do the math there, they're assuming that in 2024, a 33 ish exaflop total amount of compute will be top five in the world and that, you know, within what is that? Six eight eight months from there that they'll be at a hundred exaflops. I mean, that's ridiculous so amount
0: of compute. Can you help us quantify can you help us understand why that's why in such a <clears throat> short period of time that's that's such a ridiculous jump? Maybe like contextualize it or yeah help give some Yeah.
3: So I mean, the Dojo, when they talked about Dojo, one plane, you know, they were saying was going to be one exaflop, and, you know, that that's a lot. But they announced this back in 2021. At the NVIDIA conference call that they just had, the new Grace, uh, you know, GX, 200 something they're, they're large large data center that's also going to be one exaflop and that like there's a limited number of companies in the entire world that have that much compute and so tesla's trying to get up there to have that amount you know we're talking about aws level uh, microsoft azure cloud level compute infrastructure and so they have if they're Trying to develop that much compute, that means they're trying to solve really, really hard problems. And the the thing that I wanted to bring up from the graph is just how steep that ramp is. There's no way that they can buy that many, because in the graph here, they don't say that this is just dojo only. And so it leaves a little bit of room for interpretation on okay, so how much NVIDIA compute are they going to be buying versus how much dojo compute are they going to be producing there's no way that they'll be able to buy essentially uh, what would that be 60 some odd of those large NVIDIA exapods um, in 10 months like NVIDIA is not going to supply it. Like this stuff is unobtainium everybody wants it everyone's willing to pay a premium for it And so that means that that has to be, you know, at least half of that, if not more than half of that is going to be Dojo, which also means that the software that they have written internally to be able to actually use large clusters of Dojo supercomputers all together in a seamless way, because you've got, you know, when you're trying to train a large neural net model, it's way bigger than will fit on any single computer Any single GPU, I mean, you're talking about a data center's worth of compute chugging away on a problem. And so you have to be able to get all of that problem divided up and distributed across tons and tons of individual pieces of compute and then talking to each other fast enough so that they can do that in a time efficient way. And that software is as much of a challenge as the hardware infrastructure. So there's, you know, there's a stack of things that have to all work perfectly in order to do that, to advance artificial intelligence training, you know, training large machine learning models. And the fact that they can do that in-house means that they have an internal equivalent to CUDA that is workable. Now, that doesn't mean that it's something that can be used as a... Training as a service product in the future, um, you know that's further down the road. But what it shows us is that they really are able to keep pace with NVIDIA, and that is an incredibly impressive feat because you know there's a lot of a lot of things that go into just how impressive. Really, the entire AI tech wave is really built on NVIDIA, their software and hardware stack. And Tesla's able to go basically head to head with them. Now, that doesn't mean that they're able to surpass them. You know, it really, it's a huge gamble. And Elon has said this himself. Dojo as a service may or may not pay off. If it does pay off, it would be absolutely huge. If not, you know at least we put our hat in the ring. But the learning that they're getting from doing that will be incredible either way. And I like the way that um, James Dalma has put this, that it's, it's almost like just their hedge. We have ambitions that we want to grow our ability to be a world leader in artificial intelligence products by 2025, 2026, 2027. And if NVIDIA is not able to supply us with the necessary hardware and software in order for us to fulfill those ambitions. We wanna have our own options also that are have been co-developed and will be ready to go at that point in time. And so it's just exactly like batteries, essentially, that Tesla said, hey, we're gonna build our own in-house batteries. We're gonna produce tons of them. You know, We want terawatt hours worth of battery production. Oh, and by the way, none of our suppliers need to be scared that we're going to stop buying Panasonic batteries and LG batteries and Samsung batteries. Um, we actually want to buy as many batteries as all those other players can provide to us on top of all the ones that we build ourselves. They're doing that exact same playbook with compute. And all of this is building up to, you know, right now we just saw GPT-4, um, chat GPT 4, ChatGPT, and GPT 4 be released and they're incredible because what we've found is that when you train up a, a large language model with enough parameters and you feed it enough data that you get like exponential just step change increases in functionality that you didn't expect from you know it's kind of like a linear thing that's going up and then all of a sudden it like, just goes vertical in the amount of things that it can do and surprising what, like ChatGPT understands things at levels that you would never have expected in 2021 or 2022 even but we don't have an analog for that for something that interacts in the real world and what it looks to me like tesla is aiming at is they're trying to train up a real world foundation model for how things move about in 3d space and so i've starting to refer to this mm-hmm. as they are building meat space GPT. So they're trying to create a foundation model that understands how physical things interact in physical space, how not only just the physics of everything works, but how to model the behaviors and like make predictions on what live intelligent beings are going to do. And so the <clears throat> like, the degrees of freedom for that just the number of possibilities is absolutely endless and to solve this problem like it's way harder to create meatspace gpt than chat gpt and that's why they need this incredible like this is way more compute than was ever needed to for open ai to get from microsoft to train up GPT-1, GPT-2, GPT-3, and GPT-4, and so that signals that what they're building is a a foundation model that's built on GPT, you know, a generally generatively pre-trained transformer architecture, and that's what all the the large language models are. They're built on these GPT um, constructs. They're using that now to take something that they can put in the car and allow FSD to work, but also it's what they're going to need for Optimus to be able to be a useful, intelligent agent that can reason and think and learn and do normal labor tasks. And, you know, it's easy to just go straight to the, like, Optimus bot as a person working in my house and doing my chores thought process, but the amount of useful things that can come out of whatever that foundation model is that the Optimus bot is built on, it's both, you know, embodied and non-embodied things. Like there's an incredible amount of services. And I don't see anyone else who is attacking this problem in this way that, you know, open AI and a host of open source companies are trying to progress artificial intelligence in the idea space, but Tesla is trying to do the equivalent of Chat GPT in the real world. And that is just yeah, it's incredible. So So let me let me uh
0: throw out a couple of things, cause I think I finally understand what this is meant to do long-term or what their goals are. Number one, I'll start with saying that meatspace GPT should be your first merch item. So you should think about doing that for your YouTube channel. Uh, The second one is the, okay, so pull up the chart again, producer wife, if you get a chance on on Twitter of the uh, Dojo line going exponentially. Is this directly correlated with Tesla FSD's performance, this rate of progress, is, is that a good way of thinking about it?
3: So James Dalma has articulated this very clearly that it's going to feel like linear, you know, each extra nine in the March of nines. So to get from 99.9% good to 99.99% good, well, that you reduce the amount of error you have in the system by 10 times. Um, You know, if you have 0.1% down to 0.01%, that's a 10x reduction in the error that you have. And you have to do that for each nine. And, you know, if we want FSD to be something that has zero interventions for, you know, like, say, a million miles, like, that's the level that it takes to be significantly, you know, 10x safer than a human. Like we're still a long way from that at this point in time. And so in order to keep getting a, you know, adding one nine of performance to the safety of FSD every say year or six months or three months, you have to have an exponential increase in the capability of the system. Otherwise it would take exponentially longer. So then you're, instead of, You know, this time it takes a month. Next time it takes two months. Next time it takes four months. Next time it takes eight months. If we want the the progress to continue to come at a linear pace, that we feel the The technology, yeah, the compute has to drive up exponentially.
0: Got it. So going from ninety nine percent accuracy or ninety nine point nine percent reliability to ninety nine point nine nine percent reliability might take five exaflops. Uh, But to get from ninety nine point nine 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 to ninety nine point nine 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 nine, or mm-hmm. you know one more, you need a hundred exaflops. And if you want that, if you want that to happen within the same four month span uh, of of getting there, so even though the the change is going to be basically, we're not going to perceive it because it's so small. That that tiny little thing is so important to get this thing. Uh, basically proved out for regulators and the public that unless you do a hundred exaflops or whatever that number number is, it's not going to be done in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. That, yeah,
3: there there's a couple different things that are all exponential, and so you, it's not only the hardware that has to be rising at an exponential rate um, because our knowledge about how these transformers work is also growing and so we've got a couple of different exponential Mm. curves that are kind of compounding together so we don't have to it's not all one-to-one you know that we have to have a hundred x more compute to get a hundred x reduction in the safety of the system um but it is you know loosely those are the correct shapes of the curves got it alex go ahead i saw you coming off mute
2: yeah the interesting one on that on that graph of the um from Tesla AI is if if you look at what they're training on now, they plan to double that every quarter for the next five quarters. So if you look at their starting at about 10,000 or wherever they are now, and you look at next quarter and it's like double and the quarter after that is double again. And the quarter after that is double again. And the quarter after that is double again. So they're looking over the next five quarters to double their compute every quarter 100% rate of growth not like the 50% rate of growth that they're that they're trying to do on the on 150% per year, they're doing 100% per quarter um, on their compute as a target, which, yeah, will will melt some analysts.
3: And eventually we will solve the FSD problem. And then you have this giant compute resource. And the question is, you know, what do you turn that loose on? And this is where everyone goes, you know, obviously the next big thing from here will be training the Optimist bot. And like I said, working on that foundation model that generalizes beyond FSD to also be something that the bot can operate on. Um, but then you you do get the idea that potentially this is a training as a service platform that can be used um, it it would require a dramatic culture shift for tesla to think of themselves as a software as a service company and be willing to provide that ability to external customers that meets external customers needs and demands um, especially when you know nvidia is also developing their platform at an exponential rate. And the benefit that NVIDIA has going for it is they have an entire community of developers around it, just like, you know, the iOS app store developer community is a huge part of the success of the Apple ecosystem. NVIDIA has the same thing going for them in artificial intelligence. And so, you know, all of the breakthrough research is done on NVIDIA hardware um so it's remains to be seen whether tesla can offer something that is useful to the entire community in that way even if you know the hardware is potentially capable of that um but if they do i mean that is another huge huge market
0: richard did you have anything i have a couple more things i want to ask hans did you have anything you wanted to add to the discussion i don't want to
1: no, yeah. so just that I saw that uh, software as a service that if, if it could be worth a trillion dollar market cap, just that one division.
0: Okay. Um, so, so let me let me ask a question here, Hans. As you're talking about this, letting it loose, so not just a Tesla thing, but a software as a service, and sort of the context that this could be used on. So, so and tell me if I'm thinking about this incorrectly. So, does this mean that in in the in the future? Tesla could so when you say meet space GPT, which is a way to interpret the real world, right? So that we can have the ability to interpret the real world. Is this uh, something like I am uh, a robot vacuum company, and I don't know about you guys, but my robot vacuum is okay, but it still doesn't know how to interpret the world perfectly. Does this mean that robot vacuum from twenty thirty or or excavating machinery company from twenty thirty 2030 or twenty thirty five? Can go to Tesla, and be like, "Hey, I would love to use your uh, Meet Space GPT framework to bolt on my I don't know camera system and control system, so my robot vacuum or my excavator can can actually see what's going on, and then we'll layer on our okay, do this with this, do that with that, right? Is that how is that a proper way of thinking about this?
3: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking about because okay. you know, right now we have these open source LLMs and people are taking that foundation model and then they're doing specific types of ways to basically constrain the output of that to work in a certain context. And so what we're going to see here in the next five years is, you know, there's going to be lawyer GPT and Dr. GPT and all these things that are incredible. Sorry, Richard. Um, He's not incredible. incredible, At uh, being able to provide, you know, value-added services to people that mimic or even potentially surpass what humans can provide in certain areas. um, That that same type of foundation model, you know, once there is a good physics model understanding of the world and a good model to to actually predict behavior of intelligent, you know, agents in in your area, that that is something that you can build on top of for all types of specific narrow use cases that can fulfill you know a vertical. And so, exactly like you can have your mining you, your meat space mining GPT, you can have your meat space cleaning GPT. You can have your you know you could just go on um, pretty much endlessly for a lot of value added physical labor type services that can all be built on top of that for any variety of, and once that thing exists, pretty much anything will be built on top of that type of architecture. Like in the physical space, in the physical
0: space. Yeah. Super helpful to understand anything from Alex or Richard.
1: Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, and it goes with the model of, uh, the supercharger. Starting to sell everything and and make a get a royalty and get a piece of everything. Why not get a piece of everything? You know that's the best way to accumulate uh, wealth. Asset, that's a really
3: right? a really great point that you made, Richard. Because you know one of the things that Elon has talked about in the past is hey, we're willing to open source our stuff, uh, but what we don't want is we don't want it devote our internal tesla engineering resources to meet your needs so if you want it you've got to figure out how to incorporate it into your products yourself and this is one of the things you know other people were unable to wrap their heads around the products or use find a way to incorporate them into their products in a way with zero support it's like you know how do you use an api that has no documentation it's essentially the same exact thing So in order for Tesla to offer NACs to all these competitors, they actually have, like, there is a team now that exists inside of Tesla that their job is to serve external customers and make sure that both from a hardware and a software standpoint, that Tesla's stuff is going to play nicely with the Ford app, the GM app, and EA's... um, system and all these different things. And so that means, yeah, uh, that now this is, you know, it signals the beginning of a culture shift inside of Tesla to not only serve consumers, but to also be business to business sales and service. And that is what eventually will turn into selling FSD as a service um, and then potentially beyond that selling other value added artificial intelligence whether it's meatspace GPT or other things like there's going to be things that get developed in Tesla, you know, the most innovative fastest moving company in the world at the forefront of developing the most significant technology that the world has ever seen, you know, they're going to be bringing novel products into existence that create tremendous value in the marketplace and now we see that there's also this business unit inside of them that their entire existence is predicated on serving other businesses in you know transferring that value from inside of Tesla to other people and this is something that also you know is incredibly important from a regulatory standpoint for Tesla because as they get bigger and they you know not only become the biggest company in the world but like significantly the biggest company in the world potentially bigger Than entire nations, you know, chome large, that if they are not sharing their wealth and their knowledge with pretty much everyone around them in a way that everyone loves and feels really good about, then the antitrust pressure against them from the entire world will be ridiculous. So, you know, looking far into the future, this is incredibly important for the stability of society as well. Hans, where can people find you on YouTube? Uh, they can find me at Hans C Nelson, and uh, we have long-form discussions about uh, primarily Tesla, uh, but tech and AI. Um, had some great conversations. I think the the best video that I have so far is a. a conversation with James Dauma and Scott Walter from a few weeks back that uh, had really positive responses to.
0: Awesome. Alex, go ahead. Well,
2: I was going to comment, like once you've solved like the meat space GPT, like if you look at uh, design and simulation, everything you, you do, designing a new product and that interacts with the world, you can, you can simulate now. So prototypes get that much easier. And then you Uh, just look at the entertainment industry and all of the video content and gaming content. If you have a digital twin um, in meatspace GPT, your entire entertainment industry is their costs come down so far. If you get a whole chat GPT moment on that
0: Um, and yeah. Could it, could it almost be like analogous to the perfect physics engine for a video game? Is that a good yeah. way of thinking about it? But, but you can tweak the physics too.
3: Mm-hmm. And so not just you... physics, but the, the graphics as well.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm mind blown. I'm so happy we did this. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no value in that
3: at all. No, nothing go ahead richard it's just a car company
1: yes just just, uh i I appreciate hans's uh reference to his channel mine and the description of (laughs) what he does what he does mine is botched videos about nonsense so if you're interested in that come to my channel um i far as the entertainment
3: uh, value is high i can attest richard has a great channel don't let him fool you okay
1: Uh, One thing I wanted to, that I forgot when you tried to cue me in and I was a moron, didn't understand what you were saying. I had made a, I thought the stuff about Ross, I don't want to pronounce, I'm not going to give, announce Ross Gerber's name, uh, but some guy named RG and was talking about another guy named D.O. And they did a, some kind of thing where they tested FSD in Santa Barbara. And before this was going to happen, there's been obviously a lot of discussion about it. And e- even like a day or two before, I tweeted, I had a couple tweets where I was questioning what was going on. And one of the things I was stating is, I as far as I know, RG was not an, acting as an agent of Tesla. So this had not been cleared by Elon for RG to be a representative of Tesla showing off FSD. So... If that was the case, that he was authorized, then then this doesn't apply. But I thought someone who, without authorization, had the balls and uh, over self confidence to be a representative, and couldn't anticipate that, notwithstanding whatever happened, that the consequences would be bad and distracting. I found that really troubling. And I know he's a smart guy. He's a good looking guy. You know, uh, we dated a couple times. No, I, I, I'm joking, obviously, but he's a good guy. I know he has Tesla's interests at heart, but I think sometimes his self-confidence, I'm using that term, his self-confidence, I think, can maybe distract him from potential problems. And all I know is that for the past three days, all I've seen is Twitter full of Dan O'Dowd quotes, and I saw CNBC interviewing him. So I don't know what RG thought he was going to accomplish, but whatever he accomplished, I thought was to the negative, at least short term, of Tesla and its shareholders, most importantly. And I thought also, listen, if I was his lawyer and he had a fund, I was just the first thing that occurred to me. He's my client. He comes to me and says, so I have a bunch of clients and I have them in Tesla. Should I go out and risk their share value by doing this experiment? Is that a good idea? Lawyer says, no. That's the end of the statement. So I was, I was confused.
0: Hans or Alex, any thoughts on what Richard just shared? Uh,
3: yeah, I really enjoyed the uh, conversation you had with 30 Tesla earlier this week kind of on this topic. But I agree that, you know, I think Ross had his, like how this was going to go in his mind was one way and how it went in reality was another way. And he doesn't realize that reality didn't match up with his intentions yet. And he's upset that people are calling him out on the fact that it didn't turn out the way that he thought it was going to. But ultimately it's all just noise. It's not going to like in a year from now. No one is going to remember this or talk about this. It's going to last a new cycle, and that's going to be it. And the technology will do what the technology will do. Um, And I still love the fact that, just like Elon said, Dan O'Dowd is essentially an unpaid intern on FSD's QA team. And so he can spend all the money that he wants helping Tesla to identify corner cases that potentially they didn't know about. Um, and, and bringing a lot of attention to the fact that, hey, wait a second, this car really can drive itself pretty well, like better than my blues clues Yeah. What, did you guys see that
0: space that Alexander Mertz hosted yesterday and uh, Daniel O'Dowd was in there for two and a half hours? I don't know if you guys saw that, but I think that's, uh, that's an example of the... So that space almost, I don't know if it had to happen, but it definitely... I feel like needed to happen in some way after what happened because of just the amount of attention Dan was able to bring onto himself because of uh, Ross's willingness to engage him. Uh, it did. I think it did br- bring up a few points that are interesting to talk about within that context and sort of highlighting just how how advanced Tesla's system is versus anyone else's, which is why it's so bad i think that's that's like dan's viewpoint is like it's too good for what it does that's why it's terrible that, that was my takeaway so um but yeah i i think uh it's been fascinating to see this play out because it is it is a lot of drama but i think it's the on, on the path to full self-driving becoming adopted fully this is only going to get worse is my opinion
1: uh, yeah for for me you know the the way i see it it's an unforced error yeah, I agree. It was not. It was not necessary. It didn't. It didn't promote. And the fact, you know, again, I understand why Alexandra uh, did her space because Ross, I thought, was uh, disrespectful to her uh, when that that discussion happened. But it gave O'Dowd two and a half hours of coverage that he didn't need. We don't need to be covering him. I I'm not one who believes that everybody deserves a a microphone, including me, by the way. And uh, that everything should be aired out. I don't believe that. So uh, so when I, and I don't think he's, you know, this is my opinion. I saw he bitched about accuracy of complaints about what he said. And I see, and, and maybe he's right. But all I see is when he writes, his the way he writes, I think are, it's inaccurate and ambiguous too. So whatever claims he makes, a lot of times I see it, I would say, you know, if I had him on a witness stand and I asked him, is that really what you think that happened? He'd have a tough time backing it up. So I don't think he's accurate and credible, in my opinion. So the fact he was calling out like whole Mars or whatever, I found that annoying, let's just say the least.
3: There's definitely some ambiguity. And, you know, when I see what Dan O'Dowd has to say, he is holding. FSD to the standard of a full level five system. And so I think that's even part of the misunderstanding that Ross has is Ross is like, oh my God, this is the best level two system that anybody has in the world. And Dan is like, this is the shittiest level five system I've ever seen in my life. And people are going to die if you don't have someone in the driver's seat. Well, it's like, yeah, it's not there yet. That's not the point of this system. And, but that said, it's good to, you know, gauge the progress of FSD towards being that eventual full solution to a level five system or a level four system that you know has incredible potential you know value as a robo taxi and like I've said before there's a lot of monetizable value from a level two plus system far in advance of ever getting to level four and it just is a matter of Tesla getting the safety to the point where they're really comfortable with everybody who owns a Tesla operating that and the fact that they're not to that point yet somewhat does support Dan's position that you know this is not a fully safe system you need attentive beta tester drivers who can you know prevent the system from doing something stupid to harm the occupants and the public while the system is being developed. And that's the stage that we're in. And, you know, essentially Dan's complaint is, yeah, that's the stage we're in. it's like, okay, well, we know that. And eventually it will be a full solution. And when it is, you know, it's, it's already with human intervention, it's already saving lives today. And then ultimately it's going to save so many lives when we can remove human drivers and their terrible habits from the roads that we're going to save even more.
1: He so gives what, the false impression that though, that's not acting properly. So that's right. the false impression he's creating. Cause if you wanted to analyze it, you say, it's absolutely acting properly. It's doing what it's supposed to do and it's perfectly effective. So it'd be like, you know, and I, it's kind of what you're saying. He's talking about something else completely unrelated to what he's experiencing, has nothing to do with it. He's not analyzing the experience he's, in, he's engaged in, which, which unfortunately creates a false impression. And the information and feedback is not accurate as he pr- provides it.
0: Yeah, he, he either has a fundamental misunderstanding of the software and he's too stubborn to realize it, or he's a bad actor. I mean, that, those are really the only two options I see with him, unfortunately. And this it is not to disparage goes, his care.
1: It yeah. also goes with, you know, his, his, he, he can test the fact that he has a conflict of interest, that yeah. his software somehow is different than the system that Tesla has. Okay, I agree. But you're somehow, somehow you're competing in some, in some reign and you definitely have a conflict. You're in, in business. He is like, jumps on people when they make that comparison. And I think it's a accurate comparison.
0: Well, if Tesla is successful with its full self-driving and they are able to license it, it would run on Tesla OS, which would render Green Hills obsolete. It's that simple, right? So that that's the conflict of interest, you know? Um, go ahead, Hans.
3: I was going to say that, you know, outside of the Tesla space, though, I do understand why people have that expo expectation of more level five type performance most people who don't understand fsd or what it is or what tesla's doing think level five when they hear full self-driving when they hear autopilot they're dumb they don't know what elon means they don't have any context this is what they think and you know i think that's the the bar that dan is trying to hold them to even though you know it's a loosely implied bar based on the language of the eventual system that they are building. But that's not the expectation of the system today, which is why it's called beta. Um, And, and yeah, we'll see how long it takes us to get to version 12 and we can drop the beta. You know, I think that's a much more realistic, even, you know, even though Tesla will not define it as a level four, or level five system. If you call it full self-driving and you drop the beta, I think more people are going to expect that type of performance from the system. And there's going to be a mismatch in expectations that's based on that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair, I think that's a very fair thing to say. If the beta is dropped and it's labeled as full self-driving, and especially if Tesla is like, this will allow you to, say, have a much more passive uh, relationship with the system, then I would say what Dan is saying is has more merit. But that's just not the case today. It's just not the case today. Uh, Alex, go ahead. And, uh, did you have anything
2: I, I I don't to get to the space, GPT? Like you need you need the training data. And the only way to the only you need that feedback loop. So the, the way to get there is to go through the process, which they're going through. And the safety of the, uh, the, the passengers and the pedestrians is, uh, it's a consideration, uh, when you're, when you have all these brand new systems with all of their bugs and, uh, and whatnot. So there is an argument for it, but, um, if there's incredible value to society, if, if we get there, then we have to we, we have to pl- plot a roadmap on there and not, like he suggests, get these off the road and and stop immediately. Yeah, and his there's data that the shows
1: his, his reaction is, is is I mean hysterical. It's uh, you know, it's drawing a, a conclusion on one event, one aspect. Of, yeah, one. Yeah, even if whatever happened, it was one event. And he was drawing a conclusion as to all from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and when there's data that shows that the system is actually safer than the average human, like there is data that has been stamped by NHTSA. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which who would have thunk in this scenario? They are really the ally here to Tesla being able to run this system uh, globally, which to me feels like, okay, like this is actually a great thing, right? It's, um, yeah, it's just fascinating times. But all right, let's do some Q&A. Uh, before we wrap up the the live stream real quick we we were gone for last week we're back this week however our private discussions will be moving to a different day so we're just going to have today as our community stream however if you would like to join our discord to be part of this round table as well as as well as our private uh, discussions for members only consider joining by subscribing right below this video if not that's okay too we'd love to have you here as well in the comment section and just watching us hang out so we have a poll that we ran earlier in the live stream, which we're going to show the results of here once producer wife has a chance. And will deliveries for Tesla be above or below 460,000 for the second quarter? 66% say above, 33% say below. Interesting. And it adds up to 99%. So again, YouTube, where the hell is that last percent going, y'all? Can you not do math? Do you just hate decimals that much?
3: <laughs> I guess they do. So they thank you all very much. They use round down.
0: Round down, I guess. So, at least round it up. Uh, poll complete, seven hundred, or just round based on the you know the thing. Poll uh, completed, seven seven hundred ninety four uh, votes. Thank you all so much for voting. And now we're going to enter our Q and A section of the stream. Uh, there's instructions on how to post your question in the comment section yeah. below. By the
1: way, can I just add one thing? Please. The reason why we had that discussion—that was the reason why Ross shouldn't have done it. Agreed. We wouldn't have had that discussion. That was the whole point.
0: Yeah, agreed. But but. On the flip side, though, I still feel like it's interesting that this sort of investing community or this world is willing to engage that conversation, which I think I think is a positive towards the fact that we aren't necessarily just entirely dismissive of these things that we're willing to have discourse around them if there is uh if there is some sort of like okay there might be something there let's talk about it i think that's a positive i don't think that's necessarily really bad but i agree with you that why are we even talking about it we already know this and we just have to explain it to a person who has a giant megaphone cuz they're a billionaire like okay well i guess that's just let's use it as a as a time to test our retest our thesis over and over again and i don't know but i agree with you i agree with you so Okay, let's do Q&A. We'll go for about 10 to 15 minutes, and we'll hit as many as we can. The first question is from P. Herm. My question to you guys. What year do you think Tesla will hit 10 million vehicles produced in one year? Uh, Let's go with a lot of thinking faces. I like it. Let's go with – let's do Alex, then Richard, then Hans, and then me.
2: Well, if they're increasing fifty percent a year, you start at twenty thirty and you roll back one year and they'll do what fourteen in twenty nine and ten goes to twenty twenty-eight. Okay. So it, 20, on 28? an exponential curve, like it's it it's weighted on the back end.
0: Yeah. Okay. Twenty twenty eight, Richard.
1: Yeah. So, so was that
0: your was that your answer, Alex? Sorry.
2: Well, it, it goes to the like the, the doubling experiment when you have a Petri dish full of uh, and then you start with one bacteria and they double every minute and it's full at minute 60. How many are there at minute 59? It's only half full, right? So mm-hmm. when you go 20 working back at a 50% year on year growth rate, Um, If you think they're going to hit that at 2030, then like, it's only 2028 that you're up to, I think you're even under uh, 10 mil in
0: 2028. That's my answer, by the way, 2028. Richard?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to look at it slightly different. I'm looking at a run rate of 10 million. So that's about 820,000 a month. And according to my calculations, that brings us, yeah. I've I've done the calculations already. August 19th, 2027.
0: Oh, okay. August 19th is your number. I love it.
3: (laughs) Hans? Yeah, I actually replied to P. Herm on this already. I think 2028 as well. Even, But I I actually don't think the supply chain will scale to the full 20 million by 2030. So I think we'll start to kind of knee back down on the growth rate there. And uh, so even though we'll hit 10 million roughly in 28, that in 2030 will maybe be 16, 17. Okay.
0: Very good. Thank you, P. Herm. Next question. Bradley, thank you so much for the $20 super chat. My goodness. You're so generous. Deliveries will be 469,420. Bradley, if you're right, I will add a zero to that and uh, donate that uh, amount to the charity of your choice. How about that? 469,420. Hold me you accountable.
1: You mean at a zero to $469,420? Is that what
0: you yeah, mean? Yeah. I'm going to okay. donate $4,694,000, Richard. Wow. How
1: generous <laughs> a guy you are.
0: <laughs> Sorry, producer wife. All right. Next question. <laughs> and it's a $19 one, by the way. I'm j- joking around. Jesus. I will donate $200, bucks, though. Uh, Petteri Coast uh, Costa. Question What is the next Tesla product? Not M3 or anything we, will, we know like HVAC. Guess uh so an on un, an unannounced tesla i mean in a van right or does that count as we already know something about it
3: yeah that's hard to say i mean obviously gen 3 platform is the next major product announcement um and and i do personally expect with the unbox process that you'll be able to see multiple different sizes and form factors of cars that are kind of built around, they'll have the same front and rear giga casting. Um, and then they will be, you know, different lengths, different heights, but um, yeah, and, and different battery packs that are kind of the skateboard. But that said, you know, I, I think that's, that would be my answer on this one um, just because it's a little bit different than what we know as the community.
0: Yeah. Who wants to take this one? I, this one's tough for me to answer. I don't know.
2: With, with the up can... of Dojo that we're seeing, I would say it would be something in the entertainment space, whether it be a, a, a Tesla video game or uh, a movie or something. Because um, that's going to happen
1: real fast.
0: Okay. That's a, quite outside the box, Richard.
1: I, I took this as it can't be an existing product, so I'm going to do like... It's going to be an electronic golf club
0: so <laughs> what
1: <laughs> newly designed golf courses will be much longer and your electronic golf club will let you hit the ball much farther
0: wow that's great that, yeah. that's yeah i can't There's wait for that product
1: that. big market
0: yeah a lot a lot of golfers in california that's for sure next question please and stefan bettered question energy expectations for q2 Oh, uh, I actually have a number. I was playing with my um, thing, my uh, spreadsheet. <laughs> I have the <laughs> correct today. answer.
1: I have the correct answer. The correct answer is yes.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I thank God I didn't say what I was going to say. Uh, let's see. This is why is this like going off a cliff so quickly right now? Uh, I'm guessing uh, eight one $1.8 billion uh, for revenue. And for margin, I have it at 12.4%. That's my expectation. And Richard's answer is yes. Anybody have any other, (laughs) any any other expectations for energy? No, it's tough to quantify. Uh,
3: they're going to hit a 40 gigawatt hour run rate in Q2 and margins will be 50%. Shout out, uh, to JP Sarcher and (laughs) zero.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those guys definitely had it right. Alex
2: i don't have any specific numbers um were there margins positive in q1 oh
0: yeah i don't even remember yeah. for energy 11 yeah yeah yep. okay so n- no number i guess you don't no. have to give me one if you don't have one that's fine okay let's do the next one and Steven, question, as we get closer to full self-driving becoming completely self-driving with human intervention, do you expect us to see an exponential amount of false claims coming through from competitors? Um, I think that the Dan O'Dowd type of noise is sort of like, um, it's unique because it's it's it seems so misguided where it is now. But if there are any occurrences in the future where there is a, f- a failing in the system when the full self-driving software is out in the wild and however unlikely it might be it actually does end up causing a casualty that's going to be an overhang for a while and i i would be surprised if that never happens because um you know th- th- there is a always a statistical chance that bad things happen so i think under through that lens i would if you're somebody who's tracking the story closely and you're thinking about 10 to 20 years in the future, it would be wise to prepare for a situation like that to arise. How do you, how do you guys think about that?
2: That with Tesla's customer base growing the way it there both both the product customers and the stock owners, because um, Tesla is growing in both of those spaces, there's going to get more the Tesla community is going to grow substantially bigger uh, than it has been. And as it grows, like a lot more of the FUD, um, it just isn't as valuable, right? Because you know more about the products. Um, unless, Unless it's a customer that has had that experience personally, like I don't, I don't know what what competitors would get, especially as the their competitors are becoming partners. I I and if Tesla is committed to uh, moving in with some advertising to try and fight this, um, I don't I, I don't see the competitors trying to uh, trying to uh, spread the to spread it if they're working together and the. Tesla community is growing, like, I, I don't see the value of trying to tear it down.
0: Richard or Hans?
1: Yeah, I, I think that they will distinguish their product from Tesla's, and that might be uh, somewhat ambiguous and not clear. Um, in terms of false claims, I think, historically speaking, we know that any claim involving a Tesla vehicle is overemphasized in in public it gets targeted and it's reflected um much more than it really has value so if it's one car it looks like all teslas that's kind of how it's reflected so i would continue to expect that to happen and i kind of disagree somewhat with alex because even after ford decided you know ford looks like it's partnering with tesla whatever tesla does and ford can buy to install That's kind of what looks like they're going to do. But it didn't take Farley very long to criticize Cybertruck, even that was after that. So I still think they have their own company's interests at heart. And to the extent they can place Tesla in a worse light, so it impacts their sales and maybe improves the other OEM sales, I think they'll still do it.
3: Hans? Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. I think those are well articulated.
0: Okay. Let's do a couple more. Next question. and Yes. Uh, question. I hope I said that right. If Mexico gets delayed, does that not open, uh, for Chinese vendors succeeding scale in more markets, which would mean an overall lower TAM for Tesla? Um, so you mean like, so I guess the, the, the question implies if Mexico is late, does that mean Ch- the Chinese automakers are going to come in and steal market away from Tesla? I don't think so because the TAM is so large. Uh, anybody anybody who's making an EV wins. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. How do you guys think about that?
1: There's there's no penetration of Chinese EVs in the United States at this point in time. So if Mexico gets delayed till 2025, there's still not going to be a great penetration of Chinese uh, uh, OEMs by that time. And I know that since the last time we spoke, BYD apparently pushed back their plans to enter into the United States uh, on the you know, passenger vehicle side. I know they're on the commercial vehicle side and they've been for quite some time. But so I don't see it. I, I don't I think. Um, no, I just don't see it.
0: Any other thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's really just going to be a function of cost and and value. And I don't see any Chinese competitors being able to beat Tesla to those markets with a product that is compelling.
1: Even with a delay. They're having a tough enough time selling in Europe. It's true. I don't,
3: I don't think the
2: delay. um, Oh, I don't think the delay is um, substantial or, or, or meaningful because even if you do have lower cost EVs come in, um it, I I don't think it sets the market because Tesla will come in with a competitive product at a competitive price point um, and be able to compete uh, uh, profitably uh, with anybody in, in any market and if if others get get in and prep the market because of delays then it just uh, it just, makes makes the transition faster so
0: yeah all right let's do one more final question producer wife per johan thank you so much per johan a consistent member of the community and he supports the channel that's why he's got the little badge next to his name thank you per johan question could a box with cameras with fst in it worn on the chest of a blind person help the person navigate when walking around um hans can you any way you can answer this one
3: yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know that we're going to see an FSD computer uh, anytime soon, but this type of functionality will probably exist from Neuralink in the not too distant future. This is an exact use case that they've talked about. Um, so I think first they're going to tackle people who have been paralyzed at various points, um, but they've, they've also talked about blindness being another thing down the road. If they need uh, like there can be sensors that are attached to that, but I don't know that you actually need the FSD camera. I mean, sorry, the FSD computer as part of that. I think it is just sensors and then the, the Neuralink chip. Because um, your brain the, is
0: a neural net at that point, right? Yeah. Hmm.
3: Go
2: ahead, yeah, just like the Optimus. I mean, if you have, uh, if, if you have, your your cameras and your FSD computer, then you get your whole occupancy space and your prediction of all of the actors in the scene. Um, so the the only problem with a uh, with a blind person is the interface. How do you convey that information to your um, to your actor? Right? Like do you have a t- touch sensors or do you have a Neuralink or audio cues or or, or whatever it is. Um, but you have all of, all of the information and, and then you're just wor- worried about the interface,
1: which yeah, is so cool. So I'm legally blind in my right eye. So I don't see unless I close my left eye and then I have 24,000 vision in my right eye, which is not really good if you're a pilot. Um, but I, if I close my left eye, I have some information that comes in, light, but if but there are people who don't see anything. So I don't know if those people, besides the... And I was thinking Neuralink, too, by the way, when Hans mentioned it. I don't know, besides that, I don't need, know if you actually need some type of camera to interact to be able to actually see the image. Because for me, I wouldn't, because I could see some information out of one eye. But i don't know people who don't receive any information if even if you circumvent that do you still need something that acts like a camera yeah If
2: if you had somebody in a wheelchair that wheelchair could take them around on on fsd um and it would see all the other actors um and be able to travel through the world but If you have to interface with the brain to make (laughs) legs walk and stuff
0: it's well but what i'm thinking is is like if if you're a human being and so you were blind from the second you were born right if if it's a very unfortunate situation but then we figure out i like how, how to make the person see period with either neural link to like a synthetic eye or something theoretically evolution has taught our brain or our brain has developed the ability to use the signal from our eyes to interpret what the 3D world looks like Meet Like our brain is literally meatspace space, GPT. So there wouldn't need to be a compute thing in the middle. It's just like, you, give me, you added, give me the signal.
1: You, you added the synthetic eye. So to me, that's the camera.
0: It's just a camera, but it doesn't need like okay. FSD in it. You know what I'm yeah,
1: saying? No, I, I understand. But I'm saying is that I'm saying, does there need to be some camera element somewhere?
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
3: Um, if you did add that later in life, you know, your your brain would have hijacked all the neurons that your vision center has, and it would have used those things for something else. So if you developed, you know, if, the, if, the, if you were given the sensory input at 30 years old or whatever, you're you would literally have to learn to see like a baby. And it would be a weird fucking experience.
1: Yeah, wow. I was I had I was born the way I am, and that's the reason I'm so handsome to make up for the lack <laughs> of uh, the right eye vision.
0: Well, you heard of your hero first. If you want to get more handsome, go legally blind in one eye. Hans, not legal advice. Alex, thank you all so much for joining me today on today's community forum. Hans, you can find on Hans C Nelson on YouTube and at Hans C Nelson on Twitter. Not legal advice. Slash Richard. Slash Bob. Slash Borghan Slash uh, you can find him at Not NotLegalDevice on YouTube and at Raw Raw 999 on Twitter. And Alex needs to start a YouTube channel so we can plug it on the community forum, all right? Or something so we can plug it, okay? Thank you, everybody. Thank you, uh, everyone in the comment section. Always keeping the conversation super respectful. Love you guys so much. Appreciate your support. We just broke 100,000 followers on Twitter, too, overnight. So that's, like, insane. So thank you all so much for your support. Uh, Mods, thank you so much for keeping the conversation respectful and clean, as always. Super appreciate every single one of you. Appreciate the panelists. And last but not least, after not having her for a few live streams, producer, wife, my God. My My stress levels were so low for this one. I really appreciate you. I didn't realize how big of an asset she was until uh, she went away for a few days and came back. So thank you so much, baby. Appreciate you. Uh, Thank you for supporting this weird thing that I continue to do. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Uh, Private member forum will start next week on a separate day. More information on that soon. And we'll see you on the next one. Take it easy, everybody. Bye-bye.